Okay. So we are going to do tonight two days. Tomorrow, Erev Yom Kippur, Tuesdays. And because, of course, on Yom Kippur, we can't do this, I will also now do Wednesdays, the Tanya for Yom Kippur. And we are going through this to finish this very long and very deep letter that hopefully we've been following through day by day. So, the Rebbe says, based on all of this, we can understand, we, we of course, understand, we can understand what it says in the Sefer HaGilgulim. This is a Kabbalistic work. It explains there that the light from this beam, from what we Kabbalistically call the Kav, the beam, which we explained is God's energy of creation. Remember, originally there's God, all God, only God, completely God, and no room for else. God has a desire for creation, for a Jew to serve him. And thereby, to a certain degree, lessens the intensity of his presence, what we call the primordial constriction. Now there's somewhat space, a less intense form of God. And within that space shines the beam, the cup, which is the energy from which all of creation, down to a blade of grass on planet Earth, comes. So it's explained in this Kabbalistic work that the radiation from this beam of the infinity of the godly light is first invested within our world, in the world of Asiya, the, the lowest world. Within this, we have all the other higher worlds. So that kav, that beam, first can be invested in Atsilus, the highest of the four worlds, as she is deep, deep, deep in the core of the lowest world of Asiya. And then from there to the next world, Bria the world of creation. And then from there to the next world, Yitzira. All of which, as they are found in this lowest world of Asiya, and action. And then, after the beam, like being most at home in the most spiritual elements of Asiya, which is Yatsilus and Asiya, and from there going to the next stage, Bria, the world of creation within Asiya. And from there going to the next stage, Yitzira, the world of formation within Asiya, and then the beam can be invested in the most spiritual element of the sea herself, which, as we've learned, is called the neshama, the soul within sovereignty, within sovereignty in this world, lowest world of a sea of action. And from this is the creative power, the force to create in sovereignty of sovereignty of a sea. And this is really the lowest level. Because in us, see itself, we have 10 divine attributes. The lowest one is sovereignty. Within sovereignty itself, she subdivides into 10. Seminal wisdom as it's within sovereignty. Understanding as it's within sovereignty. Kindness as it's within sovereignty. The lowest is sovereignty within sovereignty. And there, in the level of sovereignty within sovereignty, that is where this beam can find expression, and thereby create in the lowest form in our physical world, the earth itself, the infinite power of creation, something from nothing. In other words, 
our world came into be, as all of creation came into be, during the six days wherein God created everything. And in those six days, he said ten creative utterances. And each sentence gave the power. Each sentence was a sentence of nothing creating something. But once that something was put into place, the reproduction is continuing from that original something. So when God said, let the waters bring forth creeping creatures, that initial thing that came from that creative utterance, from there, all living beings are derived reproductively. Not something from nothing, from the earth or from the water, but reproductively from each other. Now, all of this, all of these statements, which we said are from sovereignty of sovereignty, that further subdivides into ten, and they're from the seminal wisdom, chachma, within sovereignty, within sovereignty. And all of this flows from these ten utterances, each one putting into place a something from nothing. There then is the reproduction of something from something, something from something from something. What started off originally? Nothing. God himself. Meaning there was no man, there was no creation to deserve this bounty from God. To elicit God's desire to give, it was God's free kindness. Now, in this form of earth, though, we have something different than anything else. Because fish, after that initial something from nothing start 5,777 years ago, they reproduce fish from fish. And an ant reproduces from another ant for 5,777 years. But the earth, to this day, still is creating something from nothing because things are just sprouting from the earth. And they continue sprouting infinitely, infinitely in quantity, in diversity, and in time, year after year after year. Even when there are seeds that are put into the earth, we still view it as a something from nothing creation because there's no way we can see a true correlation between that kernel that was planted and, and the tree that comes into being from it, the straw, the spikes, the fruit. And then the says, actually, you can look and you can see within the earth itself, there are two different types of vegetation. There's vegetation that is just sprouting on its own, like in a forest, in a wilderness. And then you have a farmer that cultivates. And the cultivating farmer, of course, truly is also eliciting the earth something from nothing. Because, again, he's putting kernels into the ground. I mean, how is that producing or quantitatively or qualitatively connected to the plants that come forth? You put one kernel, a hundred sprout. You put in some kernels, and here you have these tall stalks. Obviously, it's still something from nothing. But yet, we see that when the farmer begins the process, the growth is so much better than it just comes on its own, which spiritually implies that when there is an elicitation from below, when we elicit God's bounty, what comes forth is far better than when God just freely gifts us as he did originally 5,777 years ago. 
That is the Tanya of Tuesday, the eve of Yom Kippur. The Tanya of Wednesday, Yom Kippur, continues and says, based on all of this, we can understand something that's very paradoxical, which is that specifically in the lowest levels of this lowest world, of Asiya, of action, the light of the transcendent quality of God and of the Kav, the beam of God, actually shine most intently because, as we've explained, it's what we call for Choser, which means a rebounding light. When you come all the way to the end and then you rebound, that which is closest to the end absorbs the rebounding energies most intently. So the lower you are, the stronger you're going to receive this rebounding light. And that's why if we look in the stratas of this physical world, we see something very interesting. The four stratas are inorganic, vegetation, animal, and man. And what we see, what we experience, is that the higher stratas, these are nurtured off the lower ones. Vegetation from inorganic, animals from vegetation, plus inorganic within them. Man from animals, plus vegetation, plus the inorganic within it. So why is it that the higher stratas, how could they be nurtured from the lower ones? They're higher. Don't they need something more than is in the lower? Actually, in the lower, there's something not in the higher. The lower you are in the totem pole, the closer you are to the bottom. And the closer you are to the bottom, the more intently you're absorbing this rebounding light. So the inorganic elements of the world have more rebounding light than the vegetation, which has more than animals, which has more than man. And that's why man, we, are fed by everything lower than us because all of these lower stratas of existence have something we don't have. As we see, it says clearly in the Talmud that a child doesn't speak until he's tasted grain. Grain, a vegetable, vegetation. How is that feeding our mind? There's an example in the Talmud where one sage said to the other, I couldn't clearly answer your question because I hadn't eaten meat yet. It's actually explained to the fasting that I was going to eat meat. Otherwise, he would eat meat because then his mind would be better. Why is the flesh of an animal enhancing the mind of a sage that thereby he can better explain Torah? Because in that animal flesh, there's a spiritual energy greater than in man. In that grain, there's an energy greater than in ours. And therefore, the grain helps us achieve something. The flesh of the animal helps us achieve something we couldn't get on our own. And that's why we are nurtured by all things below us because they have more rebounding light than we do. And this helps us understand on a celestial level why is it that we are told that the supernal angels of the celestial chariot, the Merkava, the face of the ox and the face of the eagle, how are they nourished when we sacrifice a physical animal, cattle, fowl, on the altar, how is this feeding these celestial beings? Because in these physical animals, there is the rebounding light, which therefore they are absorbing. The light of the beam of the calf, the transcendent light of that which encompasses all the worlds of God himself, more than the celestial angels and Merkab and God's chariot. They're very, very far from the source of that rebounding light. So they're not getting the light of the beam and the transcendent light of God himself the way this animal is. 
And therefore, these spiritual sources, when these animals are consumed on the altar and their spiritual energy ascends, the spiritual energy of the sacrifices nurture their angelic sources or hoser because it's rebounding light. The Rebbe says after all of this, we can understand a very practical point from all of this intense spiritual dissertation, which is how enormously significant are the practical commandments. Because a practical action commandment is performed with physical objects. It's performed with man's physicality. And this physicality has the most intense absorption of the rebounding light of the beam, of the rebounding light of God's transcendent energies, of Sovet Ka'almen. So therefore, in the physical, there's a light like in none of the high celestial realms. And that's why these commandments are the ultimate purpose of the descent of our souls into the physical world. Specifically, today, we are told, do them. Today, in this world of action, we have opportunity to perform commandments with physical objects whose creation is from God's very essence. When we are doing this, Today, in our physical world, we are accessing God's concealed powers, his very essence and being that are within these objects, that are embedded within them. And when we do the commandment with them, we release these concealed powers. And that's why it says one hour in this world is better than all of the heavenly rewards. Because uniquely in this world, through the physical, that we are accessing the light of the beam, that we are accessing God himself in his transcendent energy through this orchoser, through this rebounding light, we are releasing a level of God that's found nowhere else in all of creation. That is our power.